Welcome to The Balance, a public health podcast brought to you by the BC Alliance for Healthy Living, or BCAHL. I'm Selena Ho, Manager of Communications and Projects. At BCAHL, we're very fortunate to be involved in many projects that strive to address the health inequities that contribute significantly to chronic disease. One project is a brand new website called Everybody Moves Resource Hub. Now, the purpose of this website is to provide users with a database of resources designed to help make physical activity, from leisure, recreation, exercise to sports, more welcoming and inclusive for all, especially those who face systemic barriers to participation. So we've been able to tap on the shoulders of many leading organizations across the province, the country, and internationally to gather their resources in one spot, everybodymoveshub.ca. We're so grateful to these organizations who are working on the ground, experts in their fields, and have produced everything from game-changing high-level policy documents to important posters and infographics. We also have collected webinars, checklists, templates, and facility design guides. And the thing every resource has in common is its focus on inclusion, aka making sure everybody is welcomed and included. And because we know physical activity is a key factor in preventing chronic disease and increasing mood and well-being, well, we want to make sure that everybody has the chance to move and be active. So in order to celebrate the launch of this website, everybodymoveshub.ca, we spoke to different people about what inclusion means. And here's one of our conversations now with Sean Blythe, who's Executive Director of the BC Wheelchair Basketball Society. And here we're going to talk about physical activity and people with disabilities. So welcome, Sean. Thanks so much for being here with us today. So without further ado, let's get to the questions. So Sean, what are the benefits for people with disabilities when physical activity is incorporated in their lives? The benefits are the same as an able-bodied person. Like we, we all know that the data tells us, science tells us that we need to be physically active. We need to be moving. Um, our bodies need to move for our health and from mental and physical health. So it's the same for some with disability, but add on the, the so just the added benefits of social interaction, inclusion, friendship. Um, you know, we know that sort of science again tells us that it exercise helps reduce stress, it can help reduce pain. And it's just such a great way for someone with disability, whether they were born with it, whether they acquired it, to learn confidence, to learn independence. For example, take someone who's acquired a disability who's learning how to use a wheelchair. Um, once you've got in a wheelchair and say played wheelchair basketball, um, or played wheelchair tennis or gone skiing. As you learn that skill, you realize there are so many things outside of that sporting environment, that physical activity environment that you can do that you thought were going to be really, really difficult. And, and so it gives not just the physical strength, but the emotional strength and mental strength to um, be active in every area of your life. I really love when you mention that aspect of that confidence building too, because a lot of the times, if you think about being physically active, people kind of associate it with that specific skill, but it's also that emotional aspect is so significant too. With disabilities regarded as a global public health 
and human rights issue with more than 6 million Canadians aged 15 and over identifying as having a disability, why is the topic of people with disabilities and physical activity still not considered quote unquote mainstream? It's interesting the word mainstream makes us feel like we're saying like normal. Yes, precisely. But yeah, when you look at that number, I mean, it, it, it is a large number, um, but it's 16% of our population. And because it's not the majority, people, it's not something that is in everybody's life every day. You know, your average Canadian will go about their day, maybe not interacting with someone with disability knowingly, um, and I'll come on to that within a minute. Um, or they might see some disability, but it's just not part of what they do every day. And, you know, when you say, look across the field of people playing soccer at a weekend, it's able-bodied kids you see because that is the mainstream. You know, that is what the majority of young kids are doing because there are less kids with a disability. And then when we talk about that number that identify the disability, there's a percentage in there that you can't see the disability. As you walk along the street, somebody might walk past you and you don't know that they, they have cerebral palsy and they, you know, they have um, a spinal cord injury that is incomplete so they can walk, see all those, what we talk about, about the hidden disabilities. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's only sort of that obvious person in a wheelchair that you see or someone that is visually impaired and you see it because you see their you know, see their cave, you know, we don't always see it. And I think, you know, what people don't see, people don't make a priority in their lives. It's interesting how you mentioned those invisible disabilities too, because I think I read in a stat recently that most people that are going to experience some form of disability throughout their lifetime. So in that way, it's already, quote unquote, the norm to happen. But it's still, like you said, not considered mainstream, because it's just not something that we see all the time. And Definitely a discourse I'm seeing a lot online too is how people with severe anxiety just don't go to the gym or work out because there's so many fears around being physically active and being around that environment. It's so great that some of these conversations are coming to light further. I think some of those points you made are, are really powerful. And so just considering why physical activity and people with disabilities isn't as common or talked about as much what are some practical steps that we can take to continue pushing for accessible and inclusive physical activity while acknowledging and challenging the stigma around disabilities? The big words that always come to mind for me are education and awareness and encouragement. The majority of people, as we mentioned, so when we're talking about mainstream, who just don't understand, and this is such a common human sort of attribute, if we don't understand something, we quite often fear it. Um, We don't have enough knowledge, so we don't know how to, how to approach something. So, you know, people, for whatever reason, people sort of have this fear that someone with disability is more vulnerable than them, or they just don't know sort of, again, like you take somebody who is seated um, as a a chair user, an able-bodied person, you know, we've seen it so many times that in the world I work in they don't know whether they should stand up and speak to the person or sit down and crouch down or talk down and people just we're as humans we're afraid of doing the wrong thing and and we're afraid of seeming different ourselves and so it's easier not to not to deal with it so we've just got to keep pushing that awareness and and educating at at a young age because kids 
young kids are so accepting. They like they're they're like little sponges, you know, just like give me information and and I'll I'll accept it. You know, they they tend, you know, not to question it. And quite often your kids are so funny, they don't have a filter, so they'll just ask a question. And I think as an adult, we've got to be willing to answer that question and help educate so that our youth of today grow up with not not seeing a difference, just accepting the fact that, you know, there is someone who happens to use a cane because they can't see as well as them, or they use a wheelchair to get around because they can't walk in the way that like that other person can. So just from that early age, you know, I was doing a little bit of reading sort of prior to the podcast and came across a study that looked so often at what are the barriers to somebody being physically active and participating in sport. We don't necessarily always approach it from what are the facilitators? And I really like that. It's like, stop looking at the fact that like, what are all the things that can't, we can't get over? It's just like, what can we do to facilitate this person being involved in this sport? And I just sort of think if we sort of take that concept and think about, you know, what knowledge do we need to give everybody? What knowledge do we need to give teachers to help them be more inclusive of a child with disability in their classroom? What knowledge can we give facilities who are, who are building you know, new facilities or adapting sort of like other facilities? I really like building in that whole education and awareness piece of it because even when I was looking through the hub and I was going through a lot of the resources we have with for people with disabilities a lot of it was just the first approach like introduction to how to um, interact with someone with a disability and ensure that they enter and they leave with a very positive experience their first experience at a recreation facility can be extremely traumatizing or just stigmatizing and that will just turn them off it for years or potentially their whole life. And it's like those small things, being open to it, welcoming, having that warmth, acknowledging that there is a difference, but it doesn't have to be a challenge, like you said, too. I think, as you said, just like making it, make it welcoming and inclusive. And that that's what any human being should have. You know, if I walk into a recreation center, um, you know, I'm a, apparently I'm middle-aged, <laughs> um, to join a, a new club, you know, for whatever crazy reason I decide to take up ice hockey. If I feel intimidated as I walk in, or if, you know, like whoever's at the front desk sort of looks at me, you know, and gives me a look as if to say, oh my God, like, you know, that person's not going to be able to play this sport. I would just, in my natural character, I would immediately be afraid and lacking in confidence, just like, oh, they don't think I can do it. Um, and we all deserve that. We all deserve to have that, you know, welcoming, um, welcoming approach. And something in the work that I've done over the years, in a program that um, I worked with with BC Wheelchair Sports called Bridging the Gap, and it's a program across BC across Canada, and it's all about that first experience. So. Um, we run a series of what we call have a go days where some of the disabilities are invited to come and try one of the many wheelchair sports that we offer and the the premise of that is it's got to be welcoming it's got to be inclusive it's got to be sort of not threatening so having people say that have gone through our programs and and learned them from that beginning 
like grassroots stage, you know, probably the best first contact is not, you know, they sort of see a couple of Paralympians playing and they just immediately think, I'm not going to be able to be like that. But if they just see that welcoming, inclusive, like have a go environment, um, just again, you know, having somebody there that can encourage them to come back. You know, it might have been really difficult the first time. They might have just thought, I'm never going to be able to do this. But if there's somebody that can encourage them um, to stay involved and you know, pick up the phone and just say, hey, you know, like you came out last week, come back, you know, we'll give it another go this week is huge. So again, it's the same as someone who's able-bodied. It's like if somebody encourages you to do something and motivates you, you're probably going to keep going. It really adds that extra personal touch because a lot of the times you see more advertisements or promotions for people who um, are not living with disabilities. So there's already indirect messaging that you get all the time versus mm -hmm. having that personal touch that feels special. But like you're saying is, is something that we can strive for to make overall more inclusive. I think you, you raise a really good point there with sort of the advertising. Um, again, you're coming back to the beginning of the conversation about mainstream so much of the advertising that we've seen in the past is just aimed at able-bodied sport. Um, but recently, I mean, Canadian Tire, um, with a Jumpstart initiative, have done such an incredible job at profiling everyone, you know, whether it's someone with disability, whether it's you know, a cultural, whatever. And there's, there's a great advert recently, and I was just standing in line sort of in my local supermarket waiting for my coffee, and there's a big TV screen, and they were showing a kid getting into sledge, play ice hockey on a rink near his house for the first time. And he, they, they show a picture of him in his power chair and then dad kind of like getting down onto the ice with him. And I, I mean, I, you know, I just, I wanted to like turn around and tell everyone in the coffee shop, you've got to watch that. That's just brilliant. But I was, <laughs> this is being shown, you know, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Everyone's like, here going about their day that's what we should see more of it's mm. just like you know and then you know when you see sort of advertisements when they show a profile of, of different sports and different people playing you know we are seeing it more but that needs to be just front and center like mm. you know, if you're going to advertise a product you're going to advertise a facility show the person with a disability there as well and I think having all these discussions and like and having it build and building that awareness education piece further enhances that mainstream component too. That's that's so exciting to hear where you will see that such a big company, Canadian Tire. Sean, how can parents, educators, caretakers, physical activity leaders, and also government bodies incorporate physical literacy into youth's lives early on? to encourage lifelong physical activity. And like you said, maybe part of that is how those bigger organizations show those messaging too, but on a more direct level, what things do we have more control over? Obviously, uh, educators have control about what they deliver in the classroom. Um, and as you know, you reference a program that we run called Let's Play, which is a physical literacy program for kids with a physical disability. We dedicate to sort of like that, that group and it's a huge program and we educate educators, we educate teachers. It's a bigger message like within the education system, just like understanding how important physical literacy is for every child. If everyone has those skills at a young age to run, jump, throw, push, to be able to just move and be free and be healthy and active. So like our educators and then you know, yes, 
our new parents involve that in the education, say, for prenatal groups, like mum and baby groups. Once you bring a child into this world, able-bodied or a child with a disability, that physical literacy should be just part of something that you think about. So two things, you know, there. And then from the corporation point of view, from business, people understanding, you know, what it means, you know, what does physical literacy mean? What does being physically active mean? And just from that lens of having people just sort of really think about it in their corporate identity when it comes to sort of working with government, working with local authorities and working, you know, with our politicians, just making sure this conversation is front and centre alongside all the other societal needs. And sort of weaving that piece into sort of trying to encourage areas of political system talking to each other. You know, we we know that um, sport is really important for you know, healthy activity. It's just like sort of having those conversations sort of with the politicians involved in health, you know, just so we can get across ministry sort of education of the importance of sport. As I said, it's just like making sure that this is sort of still a big topic that's front and centre of, of all the other decisions that we have to make um, for society. Thank you so much for the, the input about how parents, educators, physical activity leaders, and also government local authorities can incorporate these lessons and execute real changes for people who are living with disabilities and um, people who will experience it too. And as people with disabilities get older, what factors contribute to continued physical activity? What can we do to continue supporting this? Again, it's encouragement. It's making it accessible, making the facilities, the programs. A great thing about wheelchair basketball is that it's inclusive. And so for us, for wheelchair basketball is a sport that people with disabilities and their embodied friends, colleagues, peers can play. And it's a sport you can play at any age. So we have clubs across the province and we have a mixture of adults and children that can play together. We have one club over on the island that maybe has an older demographic. And at one point we had a lady who was in her early 80s who was playing. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So just, I mean, we really pride ourselves on trying to like promote that inclusiveness and participation and recreation side of our sport. You know, and we have programs the whole way through um, the, the um, start that again. <laughs> um, we have programs that are you know, from grassroots to active for life um, that are grassroots recreation programs and, and that's the level that someone wants to come stay at through to high performance um, and you know, people's ambitions to make the national team. But I think as people age, it's just like making sure, as we said, like we've got the right equipment, that is huge. If they're going to take part in a sport, they have the equipment that is suitable to, you know, their their size, their their ability, and then that they can get into a facility. That all those simple things sort of, you know, get a little bit harder as you get older. They get harder as you get older for someone that's able-bodied. So just making sure that you're sort of thinking right through, just like if, is this program accessible to everybody, to that child with a disability, thinking it through? It, it starts from them being even able to access the recreation center. 
And then after that, there's like that welcoming and warmth aspect. There's the, the equipment that's needed. There's the facilities. There's the activity. There's a lot of thought that goes into this for sure, but it's, it's necessary. I feel like when we think about a recreation activity that is not for people with disabilities, we kind of see it as a given. But then considering all these different aspects of it, it should be a given as well. Those different equipment and the environment that you build too. Um, I like how you've incorporated and integrated so much of those details. From your experiences working at the BC Wheelchair Basketball Society, what is another nugget of wisdom in regards to inclusive and accessible physical activity? Make it fun. <laughs> Just, yeah, make it, make it fun. I mean, and, and make sure there's something that like you're offering everybody. As I mentioned, the wheelchair basketball is an inclusive sport, which is just huge. Uh, the fact that you can have a group of people play together and the wheelchair is the sporting equipment. And you know, to, to level the playing field, to let everybody take part. Well, actually, going off that, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is it often not fun when people are being introduced to these activities? Does it feel more like work? I think not so much like work when you think of sort of like, oh, you know, like somebody having to sort of, you know, really push it out at the gym and like feeling it was like, oh my God, that was such a hard workout. It's not that it's not fun, but it's just that it, it can feel difficult if it's something that you're trying for the first time. And I mean, when you have someone who is able-bodied jumping in one of our chairs for the first time, we do a big fundraising event every year called Hoop Fest, where we work with corporate and community teams. I mean, it's hilarious when you see some of them jump in the chair and they, just, you know, they don't know how to push, they don't know how to move around. And some people, again, can be intimidated by that because they don't want to look silly. You know, mm -hmm. inside their colleagues are just like, they can do it and why can't I do it? So, mm -hmm. you know, it's making it fun and making it as easy as you can in the environment that you're in. I think, you know, another nugget around the education piece is just making us just think for a moment, how would you feel? How would you feel if somebody said you couldn't do something or you couldn't take part in something? Communication skills, just like the way that we say things to people can literally change the outcome. So when it comes to sort of someone trying out our sport for the first time, it's just like, just think about the words, think about being kind, think about being inclusive. Again, I love how you bring in that empathy aspect of it too. It's, it's a huge component to having that welcoming space. And there can definitely be a lot of self-consciousness when you first enter an activity, even for um, people who aren't experiencing a disability at that time or people who are. I think that's, that's a very normal and common feeling for entering anything that's new. I'm really appreciating all the all the wisdom that you've shared so far. Is there anything else you would like to just share or add for the listeners? Come and try wheelchair basketball. <laughs> when, when we're able to play, um, we we really want to be back playing. Um, we're easy to find, and just think as you go around your day to day life, like just being more aware of everybody's needs and and helping people understand, try and watch sport on TV, on like social media outlets, just and see there are some incredible sports, not just wheelchair basketball, but many other sports that people with disabilities can play. And you know, one day your life might include someone with disability and, and you might be the one that educates them. Mm -hmm. and I always think about that, just like 
when we do our sort of education pieces, when we work with kids in school. So we run a, a huge, um, when we can, we're in the schools with a program where we introduce kids with two wheelchair basketball. You know, that's just in sort of mainstream education, um, elementary and high schools. And you know, they love it. They love playing. It'll just sort of sit there somewhere, you know, in their, sort of, in their brain. Could be for years. Or suddenly sort of down the road, they, they happen to sort of then be at college with someone who has a disability. And they're just like, hey, I played this really great sport at school, <laughs> yeah, basketball. So you just never know sort of like who you might meet, who might benefit okay. from, from playing our sport or playing any sport for someone with a disability. Aww. Yes, I love that. That's so sweet. Like you mentioned, it is about thinking about the small things every single day and that that will accumulate and make that big difference down the road too. If not for someone else, then for your own physical literacy education, right? Yeah, thank you so much, Sean, for such an informative and compassionate interview. I really appreciate your integrative responses. And, and a lot of those reflection pieces are when it comes down to the the emotional components of a physical literacy and people with disabilities too. You've been listening to The Balance, a public health podcast brought to you by the BC Alliance for Healthy Living. BCHL was established in 2003. Our vision is healthy living for all British Columbians through every stage of life. And our mission is to promote healthy living to prevent chronic disease by mobilizing leading health organizations to collaborate on health policy and programs throughout British Columbia and with everybodymoveshub.ca, maybe even throughout the whole world. Please subscribe to BCHL and Everybody Moves newsletter in the show notes to learn more about healthy living initiatives and what we've been up to. Thank you for listening.